Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey, everyone. This is Mike again with the Fin Fans podcast. Uh, today, I'm here with uh, Jim Johnson. Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. Yes, definitely. Merry Christmas and uh, Happy New Year. We hope you guys had a great time with your families. Today, we're going to um, give you some brief thoughts about the Jaguar game. You know, it's been a pretty mediocre season, and uh, we wonder, you know, if there's going to be changes up at the top, and if there are, uh, might Ross turn to a familiar face for vice president of football operations? Um, you know, sometimes I think we lose perspective of uh, some of the positives, and we want to go over some of those today. And uh, we're going to break down Miami's roster a little bit, and then to close the show, we'll talk about the Bills game and tell you who we think has the edge. Jim, what did you think of that game on Sunday? Well, I didn't have much uh, excitement watching that game. That's a, that's a shitty situation to be in. Um, we had a total of 11 first downs, I think. Basically couldn't make anything happen or work very well. Um, we talked about this last week that both teams really had uh, a strong defensive line and should have an advantage over the offensive line, and we saw that on both sides of the ball. You know, I ran it there and we got it shoved up our ass. That's a, that's a shitty situation to be in. I think the Dolphins had five sacks. Uh, that's a that's their biggest output of the season. So they were attacking. And granted, Jacksonville doesn't have a great offense either, and they're struggling to score, same as our, our Dolphins are. But uh, we saw that happen, and Jacksonville's defensive line, you know, basically took our lunch money all day. Um, we were only two of nine, I think, uh, on third downs. Uh, maybe three of nine, I forget the exact stat, but either way, it was not good. That's a, that's a shitty situation to be in. You know, it was an even game, seven to seven until late. It was ugly. It was full of penalties. Uh, the offensive linemen on both teams were getting rattled and holding, and it was messy. You know, we had a, a, a good kicking game. We did have that one short punt that uh, gave Jacksonville a short field, and and that's when they got the field goal on us. But overall, uh, both offenses were overmatched by the defense. You know, Ryan Tannehill, again, struggles to improvise, uh, and I'm going to get beat up about that because the, the line play was so bad, but... God damn it, at some point he's got to make a play, and I just haven't seen that happen. So um, it was a bit painful. It was messy. You know, we got the last game of the season coming up, and uh, let's hope for a little bit better play up there in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, these, these games are, are tough to watch. Um, you know, when you're losing the battle at the line of scrimmage, it makes for an ugly game, and that's what we've been seeing. 
Uh, and that's really my thoughts on, on the uh, game. And that was my thoughts on the game the week before. Uh, until we can at least get a stalemate at the line of scrimmage, we're going to look like a bad football team. And that's what we look like. So until that changes, we're probably going to stay looking like a bad football team. You know, Sunday will be the uh, 106th meeting uh, between the Dolphins and the Bills, and uh, Miami's won three of the past five. They won earlier in the season, 21-17, and uh, in Buffalo, uh, they're 26 wins apiece. Each team has won 26 wins, but when you consider the dominance that Miami had in the uh, 70s going uh, 10-0, it's been lopsided since then. So we'll see what happens on Sunday, and we'll talk about that in a bit. I want to talk a little bit about the Dolphins roster. Of the 53 players on the Miami roster, 21 of them, or 39.6%, were drafted by the Dolphins. Miami has seven undrafted college free agents on the roster. So 28 of the 53 players, or 52.8%, that begin their NFL careers begin it with the Dolphins. Of the 53 players, 14 of them, or 26%, uh, were not selected in the NFL draft. A total of 43 of the 53 players, uh, which is 81%, are 28 years old or younger. Uh, So Miami has a fairly young roster. Um, I I think people lose sight of that because, you know, they're signing some of these older free agents and... uh, uh, that kind of skews people's perception of the of the makeup of the roster. Uh, it really is a very young roster. Jim, what 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 is your impression of the draft class and uh, what you've seen from guys like uh, uh, Fitzpatrick, Baker, Balage, uh, uh, Sanders, and uh, these people? Well, overall, I think we've been drafting much better over the last two or three years. You know, the one big miss really at this point is, is, has been Charles Harris. Everybody dwells on the negative. Uh, they all expected Harris to be uh, the next coming of Jason Taylor. But, you know, that rarely happens. Um, he, he did have a pretty good sack, yes, uh, not yesterday, but Sunday against the Jaguars. Um, that was nice to see. He was, he was out there running around. Um, but you know, just one thing, uh, sure. Taylor was a Hall of Famer. It's uh, it's not really fair to to put that kind of expectation on Harris, you know. No, it's really not, and that's why I said, you know, you can't expect that kind of results. I mean, we've been going through that at the quarterback position because, uh, you know, Dan Marino is imprint- exactly. is imprinted on our brain, and that comparison is very hard to duplicate. So, uh, you know, you you kind of got to. Put that in the back of your mind and and just uh, look at the positives on the field. But you know, looking at our at our drafts, <clears throat> you mentioned Jerome Baker and Minka Fitzpatrick, and you know we've got a substantial group of young talented players that are that are making an impact right now. Minka Fitzpatrick has has made some plays and looks like he is sound and solid across the board uh basically wherever we put him in that secondary uh i don't feel that the the outside boundary is his forte uh but he's done admirably well out there so uh, i think if if he was back at at safety or slot i think he would be making an even bigger impact on the games 
you know, we've got Xavier and Howard. Uh, these guys are all. Tunsil. Yeah, we've got Laramie Tunzel. We've, you know, you mentioned uh, Kalen Balaj. He's he's looked very well, you know, running the football and receiving. Um, so we do have, you know, a good core of guys. When you compare this to the, you know, the Dion Jordan selections of a few years back. Um, we didn't mention Drake. We didn't mention, mention Vincent Taylor. Yeah, Vince. Uh, these are two more players. David Gottschall is another player. Yeah, Gottschall and Taylor have been very good in the middle. Um, and, you know, defensive tackle is not something that many come right into as a rookie and thrive. It often takes a couple of years for them to to kind of figure out the type of power or moves that they need to be successful in the NFL compared to the college game. So there is an adjustment period there, um, and they've done very well. And Kenyon Drake, you know, while he hasn't had a very good year, uh, I feel the talent is there, the ability is there, uh, but this was really the first year where he knew he was going to be the feature guy, really, um, and he and I think he got in his own mind, and he he, you know, it, it showed on the field where he was trying to make something out of nothing way too often. So, um, but we have a, a fairly good core of young players, and I think if we had more depth in our offensive line positions. Uh, you know, all of those other players would, would be doing that much better because they, you know, the quarterback would have another second and a half to do something rather than, uh, nobody home. Well, my point to asking you the question was, you know, people are looking at the management of the team and they're saying, well, uh, you know, Greer has to go and Tannenbaum has to go and, uh, Gase has to go. And uh, I think if you start looking at things more closely, you come up with a different conclusion. Uh, the conclusion that I come up with is, is Greer is do doing just fine. Um, he's had three drafts, and uh, yes, he didn't have success with the Harris pick, but it's kind of early to write him off as a bust at this point. Uh, that's not to say he won't be, but it's just early to say he will be. Mike Gazeki is another guy who you really hope to get more from. Um, but it does take tight ends sometimes, sometime to, uh, to catch on because they are learning probably the most difficult position on the field aside from quarterback. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he develops. You know, he really does not look very physical, and, and that may hold him back. You know, he reminds me of uh, maybe a little bit bigger Mike Ignew, and that's, that's not a good thing to say. So we'll see. Um, you know, maybe if he bulks up a little bit in the offseason and uh, uh, gets under the strength program, maybe he turns into something. But even if he doesn't, uh, I think there's enough quality that, that Greer has found that uh, I think he's done a, a phenomenal job. Um, Tannenbaum, I feel differently about. And, and you know, I, I've cut him some slack for the most part. But... I can't get the Sioux deal out of my mind, and uh, I can't get the Kiko Alonso contract out of my mind, and uh, the Bobby McCain contract out of my mind. I just feel like we could be doing better there, and I have a feeling that the team is going to come to the same conclusion here in a matter of a week or two. Um, so if that's the case, if, if that is the conclusion that they make, I wonder um, if 
they might consider moving Dan Marino into that position. And if they do that, what would you think of that, Jim? Well, you touched on some very solid points with Greer and Tannenbaum. Uh, I'm not, my issue with that is, you know, you mentioned Greer drafting well. Um, and I'm going to digress a little bit before I talk about Dan Marino stepping in. Uh, I'm not sure how much Mike Tannenbaum affects who Greer selects. And I'm not sure how much influence Adam Gase has on on those selections. I think Gase has more influence than Tannenbaum does. Well, I would hope so because I, I, don't, I don't feel that Tannenbaum has... Uh, the knowledge or the aptitude to be able to select quality players. Um, well, re- remember, he was sele- he was in charge of the draft in New York, and some people criticize him for that, but he did have some hits as well as misses. So he's not new to the game is what I'm saying. Well, I get that, and, and he did have some, some success in New York, uh, but it did go downhill quickly. Um, and a lot of that may be because of some of the contracts that he allowed. That's exactly correct. Which is, you know, what you mentioned with the Sioux deal and the and the McCain setup and, you know, to some degree the, the deal with Tannehill. Um, I think the Tannehill contract is fine. I had mentioned Kiko Alonso. That's, oh, a, that's yeah, another yeah, guy. Yeah, know. Kiko, yeah. I mean, Tannehill, you're paying $20 million and that's the going rate for quarterbacks. I don't have a problem with that contract. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand that. But again... You know, and you also mentioned earlier that we've got a lot of undrafted guys. Uh, and the reason we've got all those undrafted guys is because, because of what they're Mike, missing in the draft. Because of Mike, what Mike Tannehill, Tannehill yeah, excuse me. Tannebaum. Mike Tannebaum has done with some of these big contracts. You mentioned the Sioux deal. You know, if, yep. if, you, if you don't have any money to spend, what do you have to do? You have to pick out of the what's left after everybody else makes their choices. Um, so, you know, that's a, a, a fo- fallout from, from, you know, some bad draft years with Ireland's in crew back then and uh, some of these massive contracts. Uh, so I would be in favor, realistically, of ending the Tannenbaum era. Uh, it's going to be messy because he's personal friends with with Ross, the owner. So that's that's a big deal for for Mr. Ross to do that. But Dan Marino has been hovering around this team for years now, and and his job has been some sort of special advisor and. And he's always, you know, watching and he's in the box, he's on the sideline, he's at practices. He obviously wants to be there. Um, in the past, he he didn't want that uh, vice president job. He he really, I don't think, wanted the responsibility of it. Well, keep in mind that was 14 years ago. I understand completely. And that's what I meant by he's been... He's obviously wanted to be involved in the team. He spends a lot of his his time there. Uh, so if he's been wanting to be part of this and and kind of absorbing what needs to happen and uh, and what's involved in the job, rather than just uh, you know wanting to to you know not let go of football, um, I think it would be fantastic if he could step in there and do the job well. My issue is I'm not really sure 
that he's qualified for the job to make those kind of decisions. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, there's there's arguments to for this both ways. So, uh, you know, I'm a little bit uh, undecided on what would be the best the best the best deal there. Well, in 2004, I would have agreed with you. Um, I thought it was an odd move at the time uh, because he didn't have the experience and he didn't have the uh, background. Uh, but he's been around the team many years now. And uh, I, when I say around the team, I don't mean quarterback in the team, but I mean, you know, in the front office and, and observing and, and learning and, and doing those things. Right, right. So, you know, I mean, he, he's spent at least what? Uh, Gase's tenure, which is three years, and I believe he was there before with uh, Philbin, too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was floating around, yep. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, he's got at least, I would say, five years' experience with the day-to-day operations of the front office, and uh, I would think that that would help him if he were to transition into that uh, role. I'm sure if that was his desire, he would be, you know, uh, spending time with Tannenbaum and spending time with Ross and and learning the inner workings of exactly what's involved on a day-to-day basis. Uh, So I I feel more comfortable with that now than I would have uh, back in 2004. Uh, Now, is he qualified compared to maybe... um, the guy in Minnesota who's under Spielman, I think his name is George uh, Payton. Uh, I don't know. You know, I can't answer that. Uh, maybe that guy would be a better choice. Uh, or maybe uh, Marino would be a better choice. It just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for the nuts and bolts experience, I think Payton would probably have it. If you're looking for a guy who has the passion, you know, for the team, I think Marino would probably have an advantage. So it, it just depends on what you're looking for and, uh, you know, what, what you think is best for your organization. You know, Marino's a fiery guy. If he has something on his mind, he's not going to be shy about saying it. Uh, and that can be beneficial. So uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a tough thing, you know, not knowing uh, George Payton very well. You know, he, he worked here for a while uh, under Rick Spielman. Uh, but they didn't have a whole lot of success here when they were here. So, you know, um, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough thing to say because I don't know enough about the other guy. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I don't know anything about the other gentleman you mentioned. Um, I remember him briefly with the Dolphins, but, you know, there's a lot of cogs in that chain of command and if you're too far down the line, whatever your thoughts or opinions are really doesn't matter. That's right. Uh, and looking at Dan Marino moving into that position, uh, face it, you know, a majority of our Dolphins fan base, uh, you know, Dan Marino is the reason they're fans. Uh, Dan Marino gave us, you know, 15 years of excitement and uh, giving us the the knowledge and the comfort that we're in every game. Um, I mean, he was he's a huge he's a legend, you know, in Dolphins football. You know, you put him up there on you know, you know, with with Shula and and uh, Bob Greasy and Larry Zonka. You know, those four guys are are what people think about with Dolphins football. And who wouldn't love to see him come in and 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 run this team and be successful. Uh, 
but if he's not successful, you know, that's going to be painful. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it would, you know, while I would love to see it happen, uh, boy, it would be very difficult for me to condemn the poor guy, you know, a few years into his tenure. Well, uh, you shouldn't condemn anybody <laughs> a few years into their tenure. Well, that's true, but that's what us as fans do. So, uh -huh. you know, we, 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 we don't see the results we want, and we want to, you know, throw them under the bus and get somebody else to... Well, I promise you, whoever takes over is not going to win in their first year. You don't think so? Uh, oh, and when, I, when I say win, I'm talking championships. You I, don't you have... Know, they, they can have a 10-6 and six season. I'm not talking that. And I'm talking really win. Yeah, I understand completely. Uh, you know, the thing with the thing with Dan is um, there's been a picture floating around of Dan Marino and uh, uh -huh. Ross and Tannenbaum. You know, with Ross with his hand on his head and and Tannenbaum's looking looking away, and he's got a look on his face like he's already out the door. Like yeah, he, they, he already knows the end is here. They all and, look like they were sucking lemons. You know, but Marino <laughs> had that scowl on his face. It, you know, yep. I saw that scowl when he was playing football, and he it, it was disgust yet determination and you didn't see that look on ross and tannenbaum tannenbaum was just like oh god get me out of here and no. ross was like what have i done and you know it's you here's know, the thing though if you if you do bring in marino you're gonna have to find somebody to handle the contract so maybe donna ponte comes back or, or maybe somebody else has to fill that role but they're gonna need somebody to do that aspect of the job yeah, uh, Aponte was very good at her job. She manipul manipulated those contracts and numbers phenomenally well. Um, Dan will need help, uh, and he's going to have to trust those minions to, to do things how he wants them to be done. Uh, you know, whether it's Dawn Aponte or somebody else that they bring in to manage contracts, um, you know, a numbers person. Uh, you know, I think Dan knows football very well. I think he can probably determine who will make a good impact player and who will be a good solid player. Uh, he saw it when he was playing. You know, he's been out there watching. Um, he's been going to the to the college, you know, games. He's been scouting. You know, he's been involved in a lot of the aspects that's very important as a, you know, your vice president of operations. So. I think he's been around enough and should technically be able to handle the job. Uh, my main question is whether he is committed enough to step, you know, to take that step and really commit to being under the microscope for every little thing on the Dolphins football organization. Well, you, know, you know what, Jim? It, it, he wasn't committed enough in 2004, and he said so. Right. Oh, he, yeah. So my thinking is if that's his character, if that's his mindset, he would do the same thing again. If he wasn't interested, right. I don't right. think he'd take the job. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And and you mentioned him being a fiery guy. You know, if, if he – if you know, and he spent quite a lot of time with Ross, the owner, and yep. – um so you know there is a connection there and you know as far you know you're the owner you want the team to play well you want them to be in the playoffs you know you've got to have a successful franchise so it can be a profitable organization i you know you can't ever forget the business end of this deal and i mean it's 
kind of a win-win situation to to put Dan Marino on the face of your product again. So, uh, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen. I think we do need some sort of change, but I don't want to see it blown up. I I don't want to. I don't think it's going to be blown up. I honestly don't. Yeah, uh, yeah, because it doesn't make sense to me. And you know, other people I know feel differently, and that's fine. We all have opinions. Right, right. But when I look at it top to bottom, like I said, uh, you know, Greer has been drafting well. Right. Uh, I don't expect Gase to coach successfully without an offensive line. I just don't. Right. And they've got problems on the defensive line. And we all know you win games up front. And this team is not equipped to do that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, how much are you going to expect from your coaches? Now, you know, they are developing the youngsters. And to me, that's critical. To me, that's what I'm looking at. You know, I see young guys getting playing time and, and producing for the most part. Uh, you know, I know people question the usage of Drake, but I see Drake in the mold of a Darren Sproles. I don't see Drake as an every down running back. He's never been an every down running back in every place he's been. What makes people think he should be one here? Uh, so, you know, that's how I look at it. You know, other people have their own opinions. But uh, I think Gase knows what he's doing. I, I really do. I just think people need to be patient because, you know, the puzzle is not complete. He's trying to make do with what he's got, and he really doesn't have a whole lot. He has, you know, basically three drafts worth of people, which is not a whole lot of people. So, uh, you know, uh, he's got a declining wake. He's got a declining Rashad Jones. He really doesn't have too many other players that you can look at and say, you know what, that guy's a great football player. Yeah, so, and you, you mentioned Cam Wake. He's you know he's pushing ten sacks again this year, so uh, he's uh, he's still doing well for us. But like you say, you know, poor Adam Gase. I mean, granted his 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 play scripts and some of his play calling has been suspect. But when you look at what he's had to deal with and the 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 lack of execution on some pretty simple plays, uh you know, what are you supposed to call if your tight end can't block? Uh, it's, it's, you know, you, you, you know, you got weakness in the, in the offensive line and your, 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 your tackles are your best linemen and you can, well, you said, you said it before the show, when you max protect and you got seven men blocking four and your seven men get blown up, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, yeah, that just means you're terrible on the offensive line, and we've seen it the last couple of games. So, you know, as a head coach, you know, there's only so many plays you can throw out there and even consider to be, you know, have a chance of being successful. So, but we digress here. You know, getting back to the Tannenbaum thing, uh, you know, I, I would be okay with with Dan Marino stepping in, uh, I think we need some sort of change, uh, but I don't want it to be really disruptive as far as, you know, you know, really changing, uh, too much of the management because that's just going to set us back another, another three or four years. And I'm not ready to go there yet. So, uh, you know, I think Mike Tannenbaum's days are numbered and, uh, We'll see who uh, Mr. Ross gets in there. But the main thing is I think whoever replaces Tannenbaum needs to be able, needs to be good with Gase and Greer. Because if there's any problems between those three, it's going to go downhill quickly. Yep. 
And I, I think we both see it the same way. I, I know so many people are done with gays and done with this and done with that, but I, I think they're, for the most part, leaning on emotion and, and not logic. Uh, if they expected gays to turn this team around in three years while turning over the roster completely, then, then, then it's impossible. You just don't have the resources to do it especially when you're pressed up against a salary cap like this team was. Um, you know, that salary cap is, is a big weight on your shoulders when you're, when you're trying to fill out a roster. And if you don't have money, <laughs> you can't do anything. And that's why you've seen the Osweilers and people like that on this roster. That's not their plan, believe me. This is what they have to do because they have no money to do anything else. Things will get better, but they have to free up that cap first to, to do that. One more quick thing about the roster. Uh, we have 10 first-round picks on the roster. We have 11 second- and third-round picks. We have 10 fourth- and fifth-round picks. We have 10 sixth- and seventh-round picks, and we have 12 undrafted players on the roster. Uh, so you guys that are always looking at the first and second round picks, you know, you really have to look at the entire draft uh, because it's the entire draft that makes up your team, not not just the first and second round picks. It's great to hit those guys, but you don't have to hit those guys. What you have to do is hit guys. And uh, your goal is to get three starters in a draft. And uh, hopefully one of those starters will be an impact player. And if you do that, you've had a successful draft. I think he's drafted fairly successfully, as I said before. Let's talk a little bit about the Buffalo game. What do you see happening on Sunday? Well, let me let me take it like this. If I'm, you know, Buffalo's defensive coordinator and head coach, you know, you're watching game film, uh, the Dolphins' last couple of games, <clears throat> and really – all of their games that they've played, really, where they weren't very successful, there, there was always one thing in common, and that was get after the quarterback. You know, rush five, stunt, blitz, send pressure. The last couple of games, it's been painfully obvious that the Dolphins don't have the capacity to answer that. Um So I'm just going to tell my defense to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. And Buffalo's defensive line is, again, stronger than our offensive line. So, you know, we're traveling to Buffalo. We haven't played well up there in recent history. Yeah. No, the last time we won was when Matt Moore did it. Yeah, yeah, that was in, what, 2015 maybe? But, uh you know, either way, I just... I, it was Gase's first year when they went to the playoffs. Yeah, I don't have a warm and fuzzy feeling that our offensive line and running backs and, and tight ends are all of a sudden going to be able to figure out how to make some blocks on those defenders. Um, and it's not just a, a talent, per se, um, you know, they're completely missing people. Um, you know, you've got two guys on one and they're letting the one other guy go free uh i mean you've got two eyes in your head you're supposed to read the defense as you're lining up 
uh, I watch some other games over the weekend, and I watch offensive linemen. You know, the center will be pointing guys out, and the guard will be pointing guys out, and they're communicating. And, you know, I watch the Dolphins play. They just kind of line up and snap the ball, and I'm like, uh-oh, this may not go well. Uh, and sure enough, somebody will, will come free. So I don't like it. I don't like the game. I don't like the 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 fact that Josh Allen has has learned and improved. Uh, he gave us some fits in our earlier meeting at home. We did pull out the win, but um, I don't I don't think we're going to have much success against the Buffalo Bills next week. They're uh, they're going to be hard to score points again. They're going to rush the passer, and uh, I, I just don't like our chances up there. Well, in our first game, we struggled in four areas. Those areas were our coverage, our um, passing game, our run blocking, and our tackling. What do you mean, all and of it? All of it. <laughs> that was that was pretty much it. Now we won the game, so you got to keep that into consideration. But uh, those were the areas where we did not grade well. So, you know, if you go up into a hostile stadium and uh, you can't cover people and you you can't pass the ball and your run blocking is horrible, you're, you're not going to win. Uh, so they're going to have to improve in those areas if they plan on beating uh, Buffalo on Sunday. Um, I don't necessarily think they're going to. I kind of think they're, you know, their system, they're, uh, their offensive line is just not going to keep them in these games. And I don't think they're getting – uh, enough on defense from the front seven to uh, put enough pressure on Buffalo to keep them out of the end zone. So uh, I'm thinking it's going to be another ugly game, uh, you know, probably a, a 30 to 13, 30 to 17, something in that neighborhood. And uh, uh, I think, you know, the Buffalo Bills will go home happy and uh, we'll end our season with a firing on Monday. Yeah, I got to kind of agree with you in those score predictions as well. Uh, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, though. I mean, in that game against Jacksonville, uh, we did have nine tackles for a loss, and we did have five sacks. Um, so, you know, we are getting – our tackling has improved that way. Uh, you know, Jacksonville didn't have much luck running the ball, didn't have much luck passing the ball. But The effort is there. The yeah. effort is there. Yeah. People are people are critical of it, but I don't see that. I see the effort being there. Yeah. And the, the thing with Buffalo is, though, you know, when we rush that passer, uh, we're probably not going to get many sacks against Allen because he's going to run away. And, uh, or run you over. Or, yeah, or <laughs> run you over and then run away. So, uh you know that's going to be going to be one of our biggest issues is trying to contain Allen back there. I mean, he went off for a, what a 25-yard scramble in that first game uh and had several other escaping uh sacks. So, you know, that there, you know, you can't just, you know, he's just not going to collapse in the pocket like they did in Jacksonville. So, you know, you're going to have to contain Allen as well. And I'd feel a lot better if we had Howard back, and I don't think we're going to. I think they're going to leave him out. Yeah. Him I mean, realistically, why would you want to rush Howard back at this point? You don't. And, you don't. And There's no logic to that. He's your premier corner. Uh, you have to have him in play, you know, for the season next year. And, and winning this game really means nothing as far as 
you know, other than team morale and, and feeling good ending the season, it really doesn't mean any, it doesn't change much other than giving us a lower, uh, a lower draft pick. So, yeah, I mean, look, you go out there, you play well and, uh, get out of there, hopefully healthy. And then, uh, you know, you go into the off season and, uh, uh, we'll see where things end up, but uh, uh, me personally, I don't care if they win the game or not. I don't know if anybody else does. Uh, right now, we're, we're if we were to draft today, we'd be drafting fifteenth. Well, you know, I'd rather draft twelfth or eleventh or tenth. <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately, that's the that's the way our the mentality has become. You know, uh, yeah. you know, look what the Colts did a few years ago trying to get Andrew Luck and. Uh, you yeah, know, I'm not saying tank the game. Don't take me wrong. I, I think you play to win, but I just don't think we're we're going to win. So, I yeah. mean, and I'm saying if we don't win, well, there's advantages to that. Right, right. And I want them to win every game they ever play. So, uh, I struggle to I struggle to want to lose a game, but like you say, it really doesn't matter to me. I mean, I'm a fan. I like to watch the games, and when your team is getting their lunch money taken, it's really not that much fun. So yeah, I prefer they not be embarrassed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And we've had a few stinkers this year. Uh, that you know, it was it it yeah, it was like uh, a pro. We were embarrassed. A, yeah, a, a pro a pro <laughs> team against some college uh, all stars or yeah. something. Yeah, it was yeah, it was the, painful. The first New England game and the Minnesota game come to mind, and I know there was one or two others, yeah. but those two are the ones that really stick out in my mind. The Detroit game was painful as well. Yeah. I uh, yeah. you know the Minnesota game we you know we we kind of made a little comeback. I thought we had a shot. We got it into a one score game, and then the wheels came off the bus again. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but there was there was several that uh, the Cincinnati game really hurt my feelings as well. When we give that away at the end, well, I, that was a whole different thing. That was not a game we were dominated. That was a game we should have won. Exactly, but that you know when you give one up at the end like that, that's just uh, ugh, yeah. you know, yeah. But uh, bad, bad circumstance uh, with Tunsil going down or or you know lack of poise by the quarterback. However you want to look at right, it, it just right. it just wasn't going to happen. But. Yeah. Uh, Got any other thoughts tonight before we go? Well, I mean, our fan base, we've talked about this before. You know, they want to fire Gase, fire Burke, fire everybody, uh, blow it up. You know, Ross needs to sell the team. And um, I just, I don't get all of that. I mean, Ross is a billionaire. He's not going to sell the team. He could, you know, I mean, he's going to try to try to have the Dolphins be a successful franchise, uh, but obviously he's in this to make money. He's a billionaire. You, you he's, saw Ross's face in that picture. He, now, that's a man that wants to win. That, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. And there's care there. He cares that they play well. And, and you know, I, I just, you know, he's, he's not going to sell the team. So you need to let go of that. And, you know, say we did blow it, you know, the if we lose in, in Buffalo and that Monday morning Ross fires everybody, where do we go from there? Now you've got you've to tear the thing down to the ground and start over again. I, and you're not going to go, you're not going to turn, you know, snap your fingers and, and go to the Super Bowl. That's just not going to happen. So I just, you know, fans i know everybody's upset they want to have a better team and you want them to play better and you want them to all look like world beaters but you know that's just not in the cards right now um 
so you know moving forward we just got to hope for the best and that the the changes that they do make uh leads to a, a better core next year yeah if they were to throw the coach out and i don't want to get into this too much but if they were to throw the coach out the guy i'd be looking at is bruce arians no doubt i would absolutely love to see that happen but uh, yeah, he, he's a he's a guy who i think could come in here and uh, get through to the players and and hopefully uh, turn the program around he did that with the cardinals and i'm sure he's capable of doing that here yeah uh, but anyway uh i hope that doesn't happen i want to see gay succeed and i want to see them stay on the same course rather than blow everything up and us go through another three years of uh, roster turnover trying to construct a roster right exactly you know and it's the, counter it's counterproductive and the thing is now you know we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel as far as this cap number goes so exactly uh you know in 2020 you know our options will be a hell of a lot better as far as what we want to do player wise because you know we'll have more more flexibility on the financial end yeah depending on what they do in this coming free agency see that's what scares me if they if they go hog wild this free agency because of pressure then that could kind of upset the wild card a little bit in what shape they're in in 2020 and i hope they don't do that i hope they don't succumb to the pressure uh, i hope they do what's smart for the franchise yeah yeah that's and tannebaum is is not a good guy for that uh he's liable to do something silly to save his job or you know try to make an impact splash deal to make himself uh look better but you know that's you know we're so close to being financially sound um we've got a good core of young guys and if we can just continue to add to it how often do you see splash deals work? I mean, it worked with the Broncos and Peyton Manning, okay? But how how often do you see that work? It, it just works so seldom in my mind. Yeah, you know? it, it rarely ever does. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Peyton Manning. How often does an elite quarterback move to another team? I it mean, doesn't happen often. And Manning was coming off. A, a neck injury and nobody knew how he was going to be moving forward and that's right and which is why he was available of course exactly and he wasn't he wasn't what he was in his prime really but he got into a great situation with a good core of core team and they had yep. defense they had offense they had skill players and Boy, they had Adam Gase. Yeah, they had Adam Gase, and and they had John Elway, and oh yeah. man, it was all peaches and cream there. So hey, so, yeah. But anyway, all right, guys. Uh, Want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, next week we'll have Daniel back. And, uh, yep, we'll start off the new year right. Uh, it may actually be two weeks, depending on when I return and if we can get together. But one way or another, we'll uh, let you know when we'll be uh, airing. And uh, hope everybody has a happy new year. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good all. I wish every. I hope everybody had a, a great Christmas uh, and uh, wish everybody a safe and prosperous new year. And uh, fins up, and we'll fins ca- up. catch you next time. All right, guys, be sharing the podcast, okay? Comment on it, like it, and uh, make sure other people are hearing it. I'd appreciate it. Y- yes, please do. Fin- fins up. Fins up, all. <laughs>